0: The writer E.A. Bukianeri once wrote, An artist should paint from the heart, and not always what people expect. Predictability often leads to the dullest work, in my opinion. And we have been bored stiff long enough, I think. Well, my guests today on the program, and when I say guests, I mean it. There are three of them. Not only are they in full agreement with that sentiment, the conversation you're about to hear is kind of centered around it. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Of the Three Clubmen, a band which features my guests today on the program, Andy Partridge, Stu Rowe, and Jen Olive. Let me tell you a little bit about the Three Clubmen, Andy Partridge, Stu Rowe, and Jen Olive. Alright, so a quick introduction to the principal members of the Three Clubmen will give you a foundational understanding of what this band is all about. Or will it? well, it probably won't, because their sound is so unexpected and fresh and inventive that a little background can't prepare you for what they sound like. But let's do introductions anyway. After all, it is part of my job. Now, you probably recognized his name, but in case you didn't, Andy Partridge is one of the greatest songwriters to ever walk the planet. His work with XTC pretty much cements that statement, but his work outside of XTC, with the likes of Robin Hitchcock and Martin Newell, just give further evidence that Partridge is a first-rate talent whose discography is comprised of classic upon classic. The Swindon-based producer, musician, and professor Stu Rowe has played with everyone from Paul Weller to Future Sound of London to Shriekback. And the LA-born Jen Olive has an extensive resume, including writing and recording for a and Records putting out her own albums, and contributing music to various American Film Institute projects. Okay, so what about The Three Club Men? Well, The Three Club Men are an energizing and kinetic blend of experimental pop, jagged and racing percussion, bent jazz, and inventive production. What does this add up to? Well, putting it simply, one of the most refreshing EPs of the year, or any year. Their self-titled four-song EP is filled with the unexpected, and it just keeps delivering pop surprise after pop surprise. It's truly wondrous work. The sonic angles of the three club men are sharp and dynamic, and although the arrangements are textured blasts of idiosyncratic beats and rhythms, don't be fooled, there's a shimmering pop center to these songs that make them utterly irresistible. In fact, I feel the same way about this conversation. So enjoy it, my chat with the three club men right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
1: had a, um, um I was working at a college in Swindon there was a recording studio there Andy with Barry Andrews and Martin Barker booked the studio to come in to record an album called Monstrance I was I went in to help out met Andy lent him a wah-wah pedal because his was noisy and we just started to get on and just started hanging out Mixed, we mixed the album and then we just started hanging around making strange musical ideas and then I think Andy should take over. Then really, Andy was basically Andy started coming down to my studio a couple of times a week.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was good. I, I'd found a uh, a partner in grime, really. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just somebody I could go and 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 mess musically with, and uh, there was no. How shall I say there was no end game? It was nobody looking at me saying, well, This is a shit song, or well, we can't put this on the next record because there was no thought of releasing any of this stuff, weren't it? We were just messing around. And Stu um, took a piece of the Monstrance recording and, and said, I'm just going to have a mess around with this. And he chopped a piece of one of the numbers out, and and for some bizarre reason, God knows why, it's a fifteen beat piece of music, which is you know you that's not really dancer or friendly. Um, so he said, <laughs> "Look, I'm I'm going to send this to Jen, and uh, and and we'll have her aim something at it because I'd worked with Jen previously uh, doing an album, mixing an album called Warm Robot." Great record. And uh, God, I said it like Donald Trump. Great record, great record, <laughs>
3: the, best.
2: <laughs> the best, the possibly the best.
3: Um,
2: but uh, we, you know, Stu sent this over, zapped this over to Jen. And uh, before long, Jen had this kind of idea for a song. And, and it was like, well, that's that's some rigorous test to pass. You know, she's she's singing <laughs> with a 15 beat loop. And uh, it's sounding great, so it was like, "Hey, we should mess around with this stuff some more."
0: And Jen, how about for you?
3: Yeah, I had met Andy in uh, 2008, so it was a couple of years after they, after Andy and Stu got together, and um, I shot him this little note, asked him if you know he'd be interested in uh, looking at any of my music, and he gave me a call. We started making a record, um, and like Andy said, through that. I met Stu and Stu uh, got a hold of me with this weird piece of music. And we just started, we just started, I mean, we keep saying it's this sort of organic, it was just this organic process. It wasn't a, hey, I have someone you need to meet or, um, oh, it'd be really great if you, you two work together. We just sort of started doing it and it became on its own, you know, life of its own. It just sort of took off that way, so. I think that's the, uh, I think that's the summarized version.
0: Andy, I'm sure that that Jen's not the first person to ask you to to listen to their music, but what made you receptive to her specifically?
2: Hmm. A, I liked it. B, (laughs) it was strange enough and different enough to catch my ear because I get sent so much shit by people. And most of it is like, you know, kind of pathetic reruns of, of something you've heard a million times before. But Jen was kind of skating over different time signatures and it seemed like, it, you know, her her singing may not be totally in that key that the guitar playing was in. And I, I just thought this has really got something different, you know, because that's what that's what pleases the ear for me. I. I, I tend to shut off if I've heard stuff a million times before. It's like, oh, what's the point, you know? But uh, Jen had something with fish hooks in it.
3: <laughs> I'm and not Jen, gonna you tell you, you what it you was
2: mean. that had fish hooks in it. No, she had something that was really you know, getting my ears with the strange sounds and the unusual approach.
0: And Jen, you don't seem intimidated by the strange. You seem almost like to embrace no, I
2: have to have I have to have strange. I can I can do very straight and I can do very strange. It's it's like a, a stereo. You know, one ear does very straight. One ear does very strange. It's it's a twin track. I, I have I have to do you know, I have to go like the last few days I've been listening to T-Rex and Tyrannosaurus Rex. and. You know that's uh, that's pretty straight. The later T Rex material, and then the week before, you know, I'm listening to uh, uh, I'm listening to Sun Ra and uh, whatever is piled up in the kitchen over there. It's uh, yeah. I have this. I have to have. It's got to be sweet and sour. I can't just do sweet or I can't just do sour.
0: And Jen, you know, you don't seem like you're intimidated by a piece of music which is unconventional. It seems almost like that almost you would embrace that more than something which is which is more typical
3: yeah i think um i think i'm similar to andy in that way that when i hear things that you know it, i mean maybe it's just a you know a consequence of making music when i hear music if i can tell in 10 20 seconds where it goes and where it ends i just lose interest i can't i like when things hold my attention to the exclusion of everything else and um so when i get something that's weird or that's off that's not conventional um it does it thrills me a lot more than a um a, you know a straight piece of music whether it's making it or listening to it it's actually more i mean strangely strange music is actually soothing to me it it's, it it quells the sort of you know, anticipation feeling. A lot of people really love to anticipate. They, they don't like surprise. They like to be able to anticipate what's coming. But when I can anticipate what's coming, it it actually, ugh, it doesn't do that thing that I love music to do, which is sort of, you know, draw me in, pull me in and, and let me be totally, in the world. i
2: totally agree with that totally right 100%. yeah i think yeah. all three of us are wired a bit differently to your standard musician
1: yeah i agree there's an air in the middle we but all like this juxtaposition of very straight against very odd or very old against very new i think that's where we're operating in that in the gaps in right, right in because hole.
3: i do like i do like the familiar i love the yeah, pop structure the yeah. pop structure, great. Verse, verse, chorus, you know, bridge. Uh, I love all that. But within that, if there isn't a surprise, if there isn't an element of what the hell was that? <laughs> it, it doesn't, yeah. it just falls flat for me. It just, you know, mostly, you know, I have my, I have my places that I'm willing to go, But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Mostly I like the, I, I prefer the odd. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm definitely a sucker for verse, chorus, verse. But let me—I'll say this: none of us are 20. Let's let's just say that, okay? Mm-hmm. And I do think there's something about getting older where I'll watch a movie and sometimes I can anticipate the line that's coming out uh-huh. of someone's mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See...
2: Well, if we're to- if we're talking Hollywood, Hollywood died a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Hollywood's been dead. But music, in many ways, does the same thing where you can see that it's going to be a zig and not a zag you know Mm -hmm. where it's going to go you can tell it's going to lift off right here part of um getting older I think um and I think we're all around similar vintage um (laughs) is we we're, we're looking for things of the unexpected I think the unexpected is far more like for example I love the band jellyfish um but not the same way I did when I was 20. I don't right. I don't think I want to hear stuff like that anymore. I want to be a little more challenged. So I wonder if this has something to do with with getting older, where you want the unexpected in your art.
2: I think so. It's it gets it's it's a bit like porn. You have to have novelty, damn it. You know, it's, <laughs> you you can't you can't keep going back to the same thing. You you just know I was going to say what's coming, but I didn't mean that intentionally. You, you know what? More. Uh, i'm here all week folks um you know you do need you do need to hear things you've never heard before and that is where the thrill lay you know and uh, you you have to watch out for nostalgia nostalgia is deadly it's like a swamp if you just go and climb into nostalgia all the time it will not let you go you know it's like mm-hmm. treacle you are you are caught in nostalgia and people who are caught in nostalgia. I mean, I flirt with nostalgia. I play some old stuff occasionally. Saying, "Yeah, yeah, I can s- see why I like that or whatever," but I also want to hear things that I've never heard before, and I want to th- to uh, assume I've got an alternate future, being delighted by things I've never heard, and they don't have to be new things. They just have to be new to me. You right. know, I. I Yeah, I bought a a set of CDs, 100 CDs. It was called something like the history of early history of jazz or something. Hundred CDs for 70 pounds, which is ludicrously cheap. Um, And I don't know anything on there. And it's stuff from the tens, the twenties, thirties, forties. I think it goes up to the forties. Delightful. I don't know any of it on there. And I'm, I'm, you know, wading through that and Say, wow! This is great. Got to check more by this artist. Or so it doesn't have to be new, as in this week is made this week. It just has to be new to me. I don't have any age barrier or time barrier.
0: How about for you, Stu? Are you similar in in that way?
1: Yeah. I. It was funny you mentioned jellyfish. I felt that jellyfish, when they came out, that was a perfect example of at that time it was taking stuff that was kind of familiar but just presenting it in a new way. But that was nineteen ninety so it's like we're 30 years on so i think we all love the same references so i think references are really important i think i think what i want to hear i want to hear something i recognize that oh i know what's going on here i'll get the shape of them, but mixed in with enough new to challenge me Don't, if it's all new and just noise as you know i want to hear familiar things slightly altered just a little bit further and that's i think that's where i sit with this Andy, you were mentioning Sun Ra. I think Sun Ra makes more sense to my ear than
0: it would have when I was 19 and listening to Jelly. Yeah, Yeah. well,
2: I I mean, my favorite all time Desert Island album is a a double album on Polydor called Emergency by Tony Williams Lifetime. And when I first heard this in 1969, a friend of mine said, borrow this, you'll love it. And I couldn't get into it. And this is the same person that around that time also loaned me um, Trope Mask Replica and I think some Sun Ra as well. And I fought against this stuff because I was, you know, God, how old was I in 1969? I can't even do the maths. Uh, a mere stripling. But uh, <laughs> and I fought against it. I thought this is this is terrible. They're out of tune. They're playing out of time on purpose. They're they, they can't play. They're messing around. And, and I, he said, no, stick with it, stick with it. And I stuck with it. And then this this thousand watt light bulb went off in my head. Whoa, this is amazing. And um, it's uh, yeah, there you go. So I forgot what I was leading towards saying that. is a bummer.
0: Well, you were saying that that it makes more sense to you now than it would have when you were. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's now it seems, you know, my emergency has become kind of my desert island album. That seems as straight as straight can be. But, um, you know, I'm still playing it to people who've never heard it. And I say, what do you think to this? And You can see him going, oh, I don't know, but that makes me feel nervous or it makes me feel agitated. And I just think it's exciting. You know slightly distorted lots of uh, lots of sounds that you shouldn't be making on a hammond organ or a, or with a an electric guitar and is is that drumming or is it somebody summoning up a thunderstorm it's it's really it's still thrilling now
0: that was part of what made psycho candy about the jesus and mary chain so thrilling in 1985 where it was sort of like you're dealing with songs and you're also dealing with something you'd never really heard before presented in that way it felt like they were making something new in addition to writing songs and I think that and I think that's really what I as an older guy now am looking for I think in in the art that I take in is that feeling Stu does that that make sense right
1: you know a... absolutely I think you just I my um that's not my music listening it's just been this continual development into into new areas I think we, you know it's one of the things to get you even though I love what I loved when I was six, sixteen. But if I was still listening to that, I was so bored with it. I still got it. Still, it still was great to listen to. You get back into that that space, and I think what you what you actually did grow up listening to at 15 is with you forever. That's so important. What you, kind of where you went to musical school, and then you go out on all these other things, and they're just little fields to explore. You know, they're all fantastic. You can't get to know all of them, but yeah, there's all there's always a new genre or something i haven't discovered so yeah never gets bored
3: yeah, yeah absolutely it just uh you get older and you just need more you the old things don't work hopefully if they do work you know you're probably not doing it right so
2: yeah what yeah. a sad life if that stuff <laughs> yeah you know and i know is that's
3: it? that yeah yeah that is a that is a thing people like to fall back on what they yeah. know and what gives them comfort in their lives, right? But that doesn't give me comfort. It makes me very uptight when, when things start to get stagnant in that way, stale, like I, mm-hmm. you know, um, and should be noted, I mean, I grew up in a jazz family. So uh, it was, and a Greek family. So I had all kinds of interesting soundtrack happening in my youth anyway. And I think it kind of, shifted and then being rebellious on top of that kind of shifted my ear in such a way that it was going to be hard for me to um be straight ahead I mean I tried when I first started but um you know just a telecaster downstroke try to you know bang out some some pop songs but it wasn't satisfying Just was never satisfying and it becomes less satisfying as I get older the, the sound of it it's just you know doesn't know you need that thrill the comfort the thrill is the comfort right and so i mean for some of us right so anywho that's my two cents well i think Uh, it's interesting i
2: i sorry sorry alex i I, uh, i grew up not quite in a jazz house i mean the the farthest out my dad got was bebop he loved charlie parker and uh, Errol Garner and uh, who else did he go for? Sidney Bechet, I think, but mostly Charlie Parker. So uh, I I grew up kind of thinking of that as you know uh, as a young kid. That's old music. That's old fella's right. music. That's my dad's right.
3: music. Right. Now
2: I love it, and I realize how important it was at the time. And it, it I I I've got over that that young kid. Stigma of well, I think
3: too, though, for you, Andy, regardless of how you thought of it, it definitely influenced your uh sensibilities. Having, I think so, but I wasn't aware,
2: I wasn't aware it was going in that deep, right? Yeah, you know, he's playing it in the the background. background yeah yeah exactly and you don't know that stuff's filtering in there you're just thinking yeah. i wish he'd turn this old man's music off you know
1: right yeah yeah we we only had two records in the house this <laughs> <laughs> <And>, uh, is <Isn't
2: laughs> fantastic
1: yeah two records <laughs> and they are walking back to happiness by helen shapiro which i know so that that does it for me and let let there be drums so i think my entire music career has been trying to blend those two I just play them over and over and over up to the age of about seven when I actually bought my own record yeah we had two records that was it wow (laughs) so completely different
2: completely I just hear I hear the backing vocals on walking back walking back to happiness I do like backing vocals yeah
1: yeah I do (laughs) like the backing vocals I always like putting backing vocals in so Jen's really good at that so I think that's part of the charm.
3: Yeah.
1: Stu, know? <laughs> why only two albums? Like what was why the limitation? My folks weren't into music. Do you know what I mean? It was a strange me. Um, I've got two brothers. We've grown up absolutely obsessed by music and all do music, um, you know, spend our lives doing music. But we just grew up in this very strange house in the middle of nowhere, full of there wasn't there was a grand piano that was trashed. There was lots of stuff from like the turn of the century. But no records, just no no music, no records. It was almost like music had been put away. But there were stories of there being parties with jazz musicians down in the twenties and thirties. But then music just disappeared. So yeah, very strange. Very, very strange. You know, a good example in the in the pop paradigm
0: of someone I think doing what we're doing, and were they on this Zoom call, I think they would agree, is would be a band like Blur. Whether or not that's a band you like, the new stuff, I listened to it last night and I thought, I don't know where this is going, which I thought was kind of cool. So I do think that there's a, an artistic push in a totally unconventional way for that band on a national or global global scale, which I think is to their credit.
2: Well, I did have a go at producing Blur for Modern Life is Rubbish. I was brought in because really they wanted to sound like XTC and, and I was sacked because they sounded too much like XTC. <laughs> So that didn't work out, and and funnily enough, there was a a disc on the magazine Uncut. You know, they say free disc. I think actually these these magazines where you get the discs, they probably charge you about two pound fifty for each disc. You know, but I I played it, and the first number on there was a it was a blur number, and I, I I'm I'm going to be truthful. I thought to myself, this isn't very good, lads. There's yeah. no song here and the musical landscape i've heard a lot and so i don't know I'd, I'd still want to shake them up but they're obviously never going to get in a room with me again but um sorry alex i, I pulled the rug from under you there
0: no no I, I i think that's a fair rug to pull i just thought that it just seems like they're trying they're trying yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll give them that i mean we'll give them Yeah, five out of 10 for trying. Five out of 10. I spoke to uh, a few months ago, I spoke to Steve Kilby from the church, and he was expressing, as an older artist, frustration with nostalgia because his new work is doing what we're talking about, where you don't know where it's going. And it's really fantastic. And it's incredibly um, unpredictable. It's not the church you know. And um, I really appreciate that. But he, when he plays live, people want to hear... They want to hear under the milky way um and so he's sort of stuck between this idea of wanting to be an artist who's growing and has an audience who kind of won't let him um and so that seems like there's some push-pull there i don't know how you guys feel about that but it does seem like um you have to please yourself before you please an audience
2: oh 100 well, yeah. percent Jen, you think that yeah i absolutely. think
3: it's, yeah. yeah i think it's a real uh Bummer, to say the least, that as uh, as an industry, the way that it's put forward, artists are not allowed to grow as people. Your art and what you do, how you express, is going to change. And the idea that, oh, they were better then, or I like this part of them, but not that part. Well, it's very hard for me anyway to separate the art and the artist. I, I, I know that that's a big debate, but for me that is uh the art and the artists are a package in my world and you you as a music listener and lover I think if you are not willing to go to new places with the people that you love I don't know man that's just that's just not where it's at I just I, it's just not it you you've you know, if you want to love music, you've got to love music, not just a part of a person or a thing that they said that made you feel all goofy inside. You got to go with them to the world that they're trying to present you. And uh, I wish that more people were that way, that they were that they understood, ok, this person was twenty when they did that. Now they're fifty. Now they're seventy, and this is where they're at. Like, go to the artist's world. You love this artist. Go to their world. What's what's the issue here? You know, yeah,
2: so but again, most,
3: that, that comfort uh, thing we were talking about.
2: Yeah, I, exactly. Most most right. people, when they go and see somebody they know and love live, they want. It's not about the artist being live and playing right. whatever. It's about making the punter feel like they're 18 again. Right. Like, by, right. so this was the soundtrack for when you were eighteen. Right. I I'm going to get the same feeling as when I was right. eighteen, and it's yeah. that to me is is odd. And and I honestly think I don't know if if the three of you might agree with me or not. That when people tour, maybe they should do instead of one tour, they should do two tours at a time, and and call one tour just the old shit and then the next tour <laughs> the new shit and so you yeah. know what you're gonna get you know it's gonna the first yeah. tour is gonna be it's all the stuff that you bought when you were 18 and the second tour you know a few months later or whatever it is is gonna be stuff you've never heard before and it's not gonna be anything like the old shit and so strap in green green
0: Working, I was a, as a parking attendant at this outdoor venue here in the Bay Area, and Jimmy Buffett was playing and he played Margaritaville, which is a crowd-pleasing song here in the States. I'm sure a lot of places as well. And then he did something i have never seen an artist do before, where he said, Let's do that again. And everybody went, Fantastic. <laughs> and I thought he could do this 10 times in a row and people would stay. There is mm-hmm. something where I think people feel safe in both nostalgia, the lived life. Um, and they don't want to be given left turns. They won't know what to do with themselves. So I think, but I think you have two audiences. Like, so that's why two tours, Andy, would be a good idea yeah, because I think yeah. people don't want to be challenged, and I think some people right. require it.
1: Now, I would imagine <laughs> the, venues, the venues for the second tour would maybe be slightly smaller than the new tour. That's what I would think. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. you'd have to look at, uh, yeah, back back to the pub circuit, maybe. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, unfortunately, exactly. I think that's the human nature.
2: Yeah, if, right. get, it would, get it would be, the,
1: great. The, It'd be really interested. Get to the little bit of wall and continue peeling off the
2: sticker you put there 30 years ago. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: Stu, I think you're right. It is the human condition, and I don't know why that is. I mean, of course, we're talking about that. We don't want that, but I think most people probably do. Um, and I don't know, I know you're not a social scientist, but I don't know why that is people want that. Do you, any theories on that?
1: Well, I think mm-hmm. it's, I mean, so if I want to see the Rolling Stones, I'd I'd be slightly, uh, if I want to hear Jumping Jack Flash or something, you know, I think there's, you you can, it shouldn't be either or. You know, you've got your audience, try and keep them happy, but keep moving. I don't think you have to really go both ways. But it's, it's um, you know, I think it's tricky, very tricky. Um, Does anyone feel
2: that music is weirdly akin to perfume or some olfactory sensation olfactory is that the correct word mm-hmm. uh olfactory yeah uh, smell, yeah, no,
3: yeah yeah
2: yeah as opposed to an old factory um <laughs> no but, but uh, music is very akin to an olfactory experience you can smell something and immediately you are back doing a specific thing with specific people uh you know you, you whether it's the smell of a certain perfume or cut grass or grand coffee or marmite or whatever thing it is and and certain songs and certain music just press those same buttons for me
3: mm. it's sure but you know don't, you kinda, don't you kind of don't you kind of think though that it has something to do I don't want to get too too political here, but it has something to do with the way in which our system treats music and musicians as a sort of product that you attach, you know, to the best times of your life. And people's lives, I don't know, I think when you go to, you know, different types of societies and you see how music is felt in their worlds, and that it's about, you know, celebration and just about, uh, you know, hanging around. It's just part of your regular life. It doesn't stand out to people as this thing that they hold on to with this meaning that they that they sort of cling to. And when they, you hold on to certain aspects of your history, of your life, oh, my best years were in high school. Oh, those were the good old days. When, when you sort of have to, when you live that way and you cop to this idea too that, you know, oh, my best is behind me and, you know, it's all downhill from here and all these kinds of ideas that we have. I think a lot of those ideas make music that way for people, that it has a lot to do, I mean, not a social scientist either, <laughs> but I think it has a lot to do with the way society is structured and the way musicians and music is is sold and treated and and the lack of respect for art i really do think that i think that you know music, musicians are like bottom of the barrel when when it comes to regard unless you're you know classical or a jazz legend but it's real um i don't know i mean that that's i think that there is a a structural issue involved as well you know, that uh, that damages a person's relationship with 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 art with music,
2: well, the English and art or the British and art it's it kind of doesn't exist. I think mm-hmm. Stu would agree with this. I mean we we oh. just ignore art to death in this country. It's uh, yeah, it's almost a disgrace. You know, learning is a bad thing. Art is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. this is this is the average. Britain thinking this art is bad, learning is bad, compassion is bad. Uh I, I don't know. We we have some really fucked up ideas and uh and art is is something that's just trampled on and not regarded, which is a terrible no. thing yeah. because it's it's yeah.
1: very important. Yeah, I mean sorry, Jen, self-expression is no, just they're... ripped out of schools, I think. Here then that it's just it's there is no place in the syllabus for kids learn to be themselves, which is really sad.
3: Right, (laughs) and then so how do you connect with all different kinds of music? How do you, how Hmm. do you, you know what I mean? How do you, how are you open to all these different experiences, these worlds you can be drawn into if you don't even have that in yourself? If you're clinging to things that you understand or that make you feel, you know, all those external things that make you feel a certain way, I think it's just a real drag because music to me is the universal language that is the it's in our brain. It's it's part of our our brain makeup is a little section for musical understanding. So the idea that we don't nurture that as a society, Mm. I think it does have something to do with then how people interact, how they engage with music as they get older. You know, it's pushed as this thing of youth and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a drag. It's just, it's, it's. you know, as an aside, my my Uncle Doug, who is a sax player for Count Basie Orchestra, we were talking about this, and he said, baby, you know, in jazz, you ain't shit till you're 40. Like, you don't even count until you're 40. Like, that's when you start, that's when you really start to, explode and you don't even peak till you're in your 60s or 70s and that was encouraging you know so i maybe you know lots of variables lots of factors but
0: well i know know. exactly what you mean and i think that what andy was describing about what's happening and it was just surprising to hear i think it's worse here in the states in the old days i'm here i'm in the bay area Um, i was telling the others andy before you got here and there used to be music that came from the bay area i mean we have a we have a documented history of a rich fertile soil um here and um that doesn't seem like it's happening anymore and i think that art is really dismissed in the united states um i didn't know that was happening in in the uk but it, but for us it's i mean you're a if you're a junior varsity lacrosse player you're you're far more celebrated um i'm a teacher i'm not I'm not, I don't feel valued as a, as an instructor at, on, you know, at a university. Um, so what you're saying is this is getting really depressing, isn't it? This is sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: you, can, you can, you can bond, you can bond with Stu. He teaches as I well. I
1: teach, I teach music. So, and Do you I- see? Yeah, but I think, yeah, it's, it's also, it's a really, it's also really positive time as well that you can, whereas in the past, we we can make this. We've been able to make this record. We didn't need a record label. You know, it's like we, in a way, you're completely free now to go and make your art. Do you know what I mean you you can write, you can. Right. was well, in the past, you didn't need a record label to invest a load of money in a scanner studio. We do ourselves now. If it doesn't sell, well, it you know it actually doesn't really matter. No one's invested any money, just some time. So you know, it, you can look at this. It is kind of negative, but there's also there's a lot of positives. We can all make music. We can all make. We can all make art. And just people just gotta get in the schools and try and you know persuade kids to keep doing it. But I think it's mm. it's not all doom and gloom. I think there's no, some no, great, no. there's some great kids coming through doing music, you know. I, find, agree. I think you find your way. Do you know I like? I grew up about music in the house at all, but I found it kind of just wrestled me through. If it's in you, you just get at some point a kid's gonna hear something, might be a recorder or a trumpet, go, Yeah, I wanna do that. And I think that will never that That's always there. You find your path eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you agree? Absolutely. I I,
2: like Stu said, he grew up without music and and now is gently obsessed with it and teaches it. (laughs) I grew up without literature Uh, like they had two records in the house. I think we had. I think we had three books in our house when we were growing up, and two of them were Photo books of Nazi and Japanese atrocities in World War Two, which my dad got off on, and the other one was uh, an Edwardian—I think it was Edwardian—a book of medical symptoms, which gives you some idea where my mother's brain was at. You know, like, oh, what have I got today? What, uh, yeah. you know, what, what ailment do I have? And when's it going to kill me? You know. So I grew up with three books and and um, I was really stunted at school. I was kept back for special reading lessons because I was slow reading. Now I can't read enough. I'm obsessed with reading. I love it. But it, it's, you know, it's that thing of uh, maybe being robbed of something at an early age. You um, you know, you then want to kick in later and maybe that's how it happens. I don't know.
0: Well, maybe that, that gives you the, you develop a kind of mean thirst for it. Mm. Yeah, because you, so. you, you and Stu are, that's perfect, you know, Jen, you saying you grew up in, a, in an artistic house or an artistic family, but for you two guys, that's, that's proof. Now this is not getting depressing anymore. This is proof that you do, you do find the thing that your brain is wired for. You do develop a kind of uh, urge for it.
2: I think so i think so i think you you whatever events you kind of trip over something and you think stubbing my toe there my my mental toe on that thing was so enjoyable i want to do it over and over and over again and (laughs) uh you know it's it's uh and you also you use the arts you use the music and you use the whatever it is the pottery the 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 needlework, the painting, whatever your art is, you use it to. Kill the demons in your life, you know, it's this thing of I I never met an artist of of whatever media that wasn't messed up. And and they use the art if they're lucky to exorcise the messed upness in their life, you know. And I think that's uh, also, well, for me, that was a big, a big motor was, I'm going to beat all this shit out of my body with music, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: There was an interview years ago with CeeLo Green, um, I read, um, where he was a real misspent youth where he was beating people up and just a horrible person. And they said to him, why were you, this is before music, and they said, why were you doing that? And he said, because I was an artist without an outlet like Mm. right I didn't know that and he said as soon as I found music like I also found peace um and I think that you know a lot of people who when Andy you're, you're mentioning the arts aren't aren't really encouraged where they maybe the way they used to be or I don't know in the UK and here as well but if you take a kid and you put them on a stage and have them act in a play you know that's a that's a electrifying exciting thing that might not even occur to some people, or that that would be a real, um, you know, healing or um, kind of a breakthrough for them as a person. But that might not even occur to them, Jen. That's what worries me, right? Is that they won't even the notion to pick up a trumpet or try right. out for a play uh, right. might not even occur to them.
3: Yeah, that is a um, that is a crucial. I think. I mean, it's so crucial that people be introduced because it does do I mean the cliche, you know, oh, music saved my life. People say, oh, if I hadn't gotten into music, who knows where right. I'd wind up. But it's real. It's a cliche for a reason, right? Because I think like Andy was saying, um, when you find art and you find it for yourself, it um it changes you. It does change you. And for the better, I would say, no matter what it is that you do, it is you're working through your reality towards something better. And I think it is, um, I think Stu is right too, that anybody, you know, as long as it's there, as long as people know it's there, like you could try this, you could do this. Maybe music isn't for you, maybe it's painting, maybe it's acting, maybe it's sculpting, maybe it's skateboarding. I mean, but if you can find a way to to live your life as art, make your life the art, and and be creative, create your world. Um, it will change you. And people need to know that. They need to know that's an option for them. Yeah. You and know, the freaky, they need to
2: know the, the freaky thing is it can also change other people's worlds because exactly. you, know, you, do, you do your thing, and then somebody says, I
3: love this,
2: and suddenly right. their life gets it's like you've put water on their flower and they're boing. Right.
3: Right. It like gives permission mm. when you put stick, gives yeah. permission to people to to uh say whoa I did not know the world could be like that I'm gonna go check that out see for myself and you know big uh big believer in art
0: <laughs> yeah so I- I'm sure all yeah. uh, all of us are and I think that yeah what you're describing is almost like what happens in the dynamic of your band where it's sort of like the three of you keep surprising each other and um coming up with stuff that is um maybe idiosyncratic compared to what we used to love when we were all 20. But it seems like that, what you're talking about, is actually occurring within the construct of of this project.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I bore, I really bore myself. If I can get a guitar out now and I can play the same music I've been playing for 45 years, I just bore myself. But if someone, if I put something there and then Andy adds something or Jenna or anyone adds something, it's really exciting because I didn't think of it, but I can then shift it and move it. So there is a, and then it passes on to Jen. She adds some. After once it's gone around once, we've got someone no one would have got on their own. We never would have right. got to the place. Yeah, it makes
2: from... a very. It makes a very strange conversation. Yeah. The best and of it when going it's going really round
1: good. and round. Yeah. I'll straighten it out. Then Andy will come in and you're coming. you will throw a curveball. Well, what are we going to do with that? Goes to Jen. She puts a course on. So it's this continual chucking stuff, editing, chucking editing. And I think that's where that's why. If think if one of us was writing it, it would be and say, this is how it is. It would be kind of what we've done before. I'm I'm fairly sure of it.
3: Yeah, mm. we still do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bore myself. Yeah, really
3: this
1: is me twanging on the guitar. I, I'm rather <laughs>
2: delighted that people seem to um, have picked up on it in a in a, a quite a strong way. And mm. um, that's a nice feeling. That's a nice feeling that you've made a connection where you Mm -hmm. weren't expecting to make a connection, you think, whoa, that's people are people are liking this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great.
0: Is it also artistically kind of reviving for for you?
2: It it surprises me, which is always good, um, because I can get trapped in on certain certain roadways. And it's best when I go off road and you know let me let me drive over that way what's over that way i've not been over that way so you know Stu can come up with something and say what do you think to this what do you think to, i've chopped this and i've layered it with that they're in different keys but they seem to work and then jen will say oh here's a little bit piece of guitar that and i thought well i'd never think that that would work here or she'll come up with some some ideas for vocals and things and you know, one thing that might come from her might sound like nineteen forties swing time singing, and another thing will sound like a, a, a damaged sort of folk singer thing. And you think, well, wow, this is all <laughs> You know what I mean? It's all
3: unexpected.
2: It, it can, it can, it can, can uh, delight with its uh, with its sense of uh, of surprise.
0: Yeah, because you just you it sounds like you don't know what the next person is going to send you. You don't know what. No. No, and we
2: don't stand in a room and say, OK, this is in the key of G and this is the tempo. And then and then when I nod, we all go to the next piece and it will be yeah. and that will be C. And, da, 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 da. you know, I, I honestly can't tell you. The only thing I can remember how I played on this whole EP was the opening riff to what became Aviatrix. Uh, otherwise, it, it was all. Grabbed and and no idea what the chords are and things and that works that lump of concrete sonic concrete works there or that that piece of rubber works there and I I'm not uh, I'm not thinking in terms of of are these the right chords no you just you just put lumps down and if it doesn't work stew will come along with his chisel and knock a piece off of it
1: yeah <laughs> i got
3: it <laughs> right. yeah,
1: yeah. So, no no one's trying to get to the end from the start it's just you're adding a little bit to, to to build the road a bit further so it's gone off in a strange direction and eventually there's enough there to chisel it and put it back into some sort of shape. Oh, that's a that's a kind of a three-minute kind of pop song but with these strange lumps of metal and plastic and all these different angles but the overall shape is still kind of shaped like something recognizable. I think. Well, I think so.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's recognizable. I mean, yeah. I think it's we all we all care about uh, the familiar enough, and we okay. all have a similar strand that goes through the three of us enough. But we're also different enough, and have sort of succumbed to the process too of just not knowing. You just don't know what you're gonna get, and so and you know being comfortable with that, even thrilled with it, um, that's the that's the key, right? It's just you don't know what it's gonna be. Whereas if you're doing it yourself, you know what it's gonna be. You know yeah, where you're going. Yeah, you know, know what's coming. Yeah. You know you know what's happening. But you know I have no idea what I'm gonna get in the mail, the email. Um, you know, one time to the next. I just open it with anticipation and you know the like what is this and 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 then there's a the thrill in sending it back too right i'd lay something on there and i await the response because you know it's like oh what are they going to think about this <laughs> you know and that's fun i mean it's 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 fun is the main thing it's joyful it's you yeah know, it's what you want but because what you alex
2: want. because it's all improvised i mean nothing's written out nothing's nothing's Okay, I'm going to play this set chord and I'm going to sing this set word. It's all improvised Um, there. I think we're we're skirting a lot of the obvious things and not everything works, you know, when you when you're when you're making improvised music, you you have to throw an awful lot of it out uh, to find the good stuff, you know, Miles Davis knew that can knew that people that make improvised music, you you get a, a big chunk this size, and you think, well, I can use that, that's really good,
3: mm-hmm. but uh, we'll
2: have to do, we'll have to look later at this piece here, and you know, so it's just the very nature of improvisation.
0: And also, Jim, what you're saying about the delight that you feel with the unexpected is also. Mm-hmm. The thread through this conversation of what we almost seem to demand from the art that we consume now, mm-hmm. in our, you know, at this point in our lives.
3: Yeah, it's it's if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't thrill, if it doesn't do that thing that that giddy make you giddy, you know, when you hear it, whatever it is, whether it's because it's so weighty or it's funny or it's just delightful, um, it's it's it just doesn't have the appeal. And this project is just all that. It's all of that, and um, it, you know, as long as it keeps being all of that, I think I, you know, it's a it's a boon to existence. You know, it's um, it's uh, it, it's that joy. You there's a, there are a lot of reasons you know to to look at the other side of of existence. You know, joy can be tough to find. And uh I really like the idea of 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 making art that's that's joy went into it and that it brings somebody else some real joy, that they listen to and they laugh or they giggle a little bit. They go, my God, what was that? You know, that's a great that's a great feeling. That's if it if it caps right there, that's great. You know, that's that's a job well done to me.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Follow your joy if you're not following your joy what was the phrase Jack you did
3: Jack you did that's yeah. right and I think
1: make, making sad music's easier I think do you know what I mean to make you know you can just certain chords you put in your sad mood and you can making a good happy piece of music is much harder because you're flirting with tweeness as we've mentioned before and yeah you know, yeah it's yeah. making well you've done a you know stupidly happy you've touched on that a few times Andy that that feeling you know, well, it's, that, that it's,
2: was just a that was just a thing where is it called the canon where one piece lays over another and one piece lays over another. So I actually, uh, you know, I find J.S. Bach sexy. It does something to me when all these tunes lay perfectly over. Yeah, so it's stupidly mathematically
1: happy, perfect. Yeah, just it's, it's happy is
2: just one chord with all these different pieces laid over it, and to some extent. Um, I we're kind of flirting with that with um with uh, with Aviatrix as well I mean it's a, although it does shift it does shift keys it it didn't initially it started in one key but we couldn't decide which key to use so we recorded something like eight different keys and messed around with faders until we we found some combinations of chords that you know as I say nobody sat down to write a song it it's your improvisation. You're improvising by by making the music. You're improvising by mixing it improvisationally. Uh, uh, Jen is is adding, you know, I, kind of the first thing that comes into her head, and I I'm adding that's pretty much the first thing that comes into my head vocally. So mm-hmm. it's it's all uh, it's 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 improvisation, and when it works, damn, it's wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. It also I seems haven't... like it's a, a safe space for um, being. In a sense, it's not very dramatic, but a safe space in the sense that you can try something kind of crazy, and you're, you know, whether whether the two other two members would be receptive to something even, you know, incredibly idiosyncratic. They would not be judgmental of it, but more embracing of it.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, there's never been a point where anyone says this is too weird that's right. just not weird. right it's just, it's yeah any, we can go anywhere with it just there's no it's just absolutely no 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 boundaries any of the ones we've set with our own sort of taste um and i always have a rule in the studio i i start recording right don't sort of wait everyone to get warmed up Where just press record because often the mm-hmm. very first thing you come up with when you're not engaged the brain you start thinking is this right there's something in that first time you pick up i think the green green grass riff. if i would yeah i think i just put it in your hand and said play something and that, yeah, that's what yeah yeah that's what came out and then yeah uh, amongst a load of other kind of rambling ideas but listening back right. oh there's a riff there in the middle right. of that mo- absolute rambling kind of twanging but oh no there's a lovely little repeating right. figure we can put that in and then i think i suppose andy would have you'd have heard that and gone off on your... uh, It still still,
2: (laughs) still frightens me because I really still haven't clicked what time signature it's in. But that's not important. No, I'm
1: thinking it's a four. I'm counting four. It's four to me. I thought it was five and six. And then last night I was thinking about it, I thought, is it
3: three? Is it just a three? Is it a simple three? I don't know what it is. I have
2: no idea, but I'm not going to pull it apart. It works. We've had these arguments
1: before. We've had these arguments before.
3: Yeah. oh have we though we have Way had these, these no, arguments
1: bloody hell, we've had these arguments before
3: yeah sending videos back and forth look yes. dude count what's wrong yeah. with you <laughs> we hear them we hear them
1: so differently sometimes where the kind yeah. of the one is um but they kind of work i think we're all we're all hearing something completely yeah different. personally <laughs> i i feel the pulse of
2: something like yeah. with uh, right. with race car it's in 15 apparently but it just has a pulse and everything's and, in uh, one what's that yeah, everything's, in one. everything's yeah. in one yeah everything's in one, one, yeah.
0: one, yeah.
2: one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. well i mean the cool thing is is that it's it it is connecting with people because the response has been really strong and so yeah. that must be gratifying though i know that even if it wasn't you guys wouldn't care right it's all about the creative process but that's kind of cool
2: well we don't have any pressure from a a record label saying you've lost you know we 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 advanced you half a million to do this record and you're you've lost it in a week you know so we don't have any pressure like that what's the follow-up gonna sound like is it this is an accidental process it's an improvisational process we're improvising when how we make the music what music we make and how it comes out and when it comes out and uh there's there's no pressure which is fantastic because pressure yeah. can, it can push you into some funny places you don't want to
1: go right and even yeah. how very, to promote true. it, we're improvising how to promote it we're just talking to people and playing it to people and just seeing what there's no kind of master marks in plan we are just yeah have a chat yeah. to people see what they think the more people can hear it the better um so the whole process is this long improvisation and having a listen and go, yeah, that bit was good. Or, you know, so.
2: yeah. Do you know, everyone I've played it to really responds well to it. Nobody has said and the people you trust to be very truthful with you, nobody yeah. has said "Oh, don't really like that or that's not really working there, Andy. You know, I tell the others to, to you know, do more, do more tango music or whatever they they're they <laughs> genuinely they they seem to really like what they're hearing so um that's nice
3: yeah that yeah. is
0: nice yeah and I, I think it's fantastic work and it's um and I really appreciate that you guys being willing to do what you do in your art in this conversation like I'm glad we could just sort of have a non-agenda based conversation about art and life and getting older and nostalgia and Tangoing. they're the
2: interesting chats when it's it's when you get the you know what's your favorite breakfast cereal what color corduroys do you like the best those yeah. are the you know the, the kind of sort of teen pop sort of stuff is is that really right. brain crushing i i just like conversations we're all of a certain vintage yes. Slop wine in that glass enjoy That's
0: that <laughs> you yeah said you did,
2: 12, it's day, for... didn't you, Andy? You did 12 what
1: you did you 12 interviews in one day once oh no it
2: was 20 i think 20? it was 21 interviews
1: yeah oh, uh wow.
2: they they put me in a little office in virgin records and i did 21 interviews in one afternoon that i think oh, wow. um about 8 or 9 at night you know the cleaner was throwing me out but uh yeah i don't i don't like that because <laughs> it's all the, the same shitty questions you know
3: right yeah
0: well, it's a relief that we don't care what cereal we eat um, <laughs> yeah but um, I certainly appreciate you guys doing this thank you for doing it and and it's great to talk to you and I love I love what you guys are doing keep up keep up the you. unexpected thank you smart question yeah you know. <laughs> I enjoyed that immensely. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you to the three club men, Jen Olive, Andy Partridge, and Stu Rowe, uh, for a great, great chat. Their music is brilliant, unexpected, inventive, innovative, and fresh. So, check it out. You've heard some on this program. Investigate the rest of the EP. It's streaming everywhere. If you're a streaming kind of person, you're going to run into it. But just for a point of reference, follow them on Instagram, at the three Clubmen, that's the number three, that will point you in all the directions that you need to go. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. I can give you a little sneak peek right now since we're talking. Uh, the podcast is going on the road. We're going to go to Oakland for two events. Not that far from our office, actually, here in the Bay Area. But we will be going to Oakland. Uh, I'll be in conversation with the author, Hilary Zaid, and a few weeks later with the author, Lauren Groff talking to them both about their brand-new, fabulous novels. More information on that, I promise you, will be coming soon. Love to see you there. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. You can follow me on Twitter, I think. X, what is it? Is it X now? Um, I might be... uh, leaving that platform very soon because it's getting, well, it's been getting very weird and I think it's only going to get weirder. But for now at Ember's editor, you can find me on there or on Instagram that feels marginally better at Ember's podcast, emailing me feels the healthiest uh, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. I believe that is all the businessy stuff I have for you. Let's listen uh, to more of the three club men. This is Aviatrix, currently, at the time of this recording, number two on the charts. How about that? Congratulations uh, to those three. All right, here we go Aviatrix in full. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here on Bobshell Shell Radio.